Well, congratulations, Phil. We're done with another election cycle, another round of interviewing candidates to decide our endorsements. We actually just finished meeting by Zoom call. If you count the primary election, Phil, it's been 44 candidates we've talked to for 17 different seats in the legislature. 17? It didn't feel like 17. felt like 30. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And if you go way back to the spring, of course, we, we actually met in person with the two candidates for Supreme Court. That was the last time we've met in person, I think, with anybody since the pandemic hit. We did also put out a formal invitation to Joe Biden and Donald Trump to meet with us, and uh, they didn't even decline. I never heard back. Hope that doesn't hurt your feelings. You know, I bet if there hadn't been a pandemic going on, I wouldn't have been surprised if Joe Biden at least would have would have done an interview with us since we're a battleground state. But with the pandemic going on and him not ever coming to Wisconsin, didn't George W. Bush come to the state journal offices back in the day? Close, but no cigar. George H. W. Bush came to the Wisconsin State Journal offices. He was the last president to set foot here. I am at the newspaper office today. And I think you're saying that Biden might have because it's been pretty clear that we've not been fans of Donald Trump. I don't think our endorsement last Sunday surprised anyone when we endorsed Joe Biden. We're going to talk about that endorsement. We're going to talk about all of the other ones as quickly as we can on today's Center Stage with Milford and Hands, the Wisconsin State Journal's political podcast from the Sensible Center of Wisconsin Politics. I'm Scott Milford. I'm the editorial page editor for the State Journal. And I'm Phil Hands. I'm the editorial cartoonist for the Wisconsin State Journal. We are half of the Wisconsin State Journal editorial board. And after all those meetings, I think we're the more exhausted half. <laughs> start by talking about probably the endorsement that means the least, but the the, the one that people care the most about, which is Joe Biden. Yeah, Uh, we did endorse Joe Biden last Sunday, saying that America needs more stability, civility, and respect for democratic institutions. We said that Biden isn't flashy or charismatic, but he's solid and experienced. He will assemble a strong team of advisors that he'll actually listen to. And he's going to approach the job of being the most powerful person on the planet with the seriousness it deserves. We faulted President Donald J. Trump for reckless behavior, denial of basic facts, soaring debt, his dismissive approach to climate change, his impulsive tweets, his mixed messages, his trade wars that have hurt Wisconsin manufacturers and farmers, his unprecedented turnover in his staff and his cabinet, his insulting of allies. I think we could go on, but we haven't been big fans of the president, even though it was only eight years ago that the Wisconsin State Journal editorial board did endorse a Republican for president in Mitt Romney. But remember, Scott, that Donald Trump would call Mitt Romney a loser. (laughs) He was a loser. He lost, along with Paul Ryan to Barack Obama for the second term there. I think a lot of our readers care that we make a stand and endorse Biden. I don't think we're going to sway a lot of votes. I did a cartoon in, in, in Friday morning's uh, newspaper about how there just aren't many undecided voters out there. And while I think it's important for us to sh- be consistent and, and make a stand and say, you know, Trump is bad, Biden is better, 
and he's the person people should vote for, I'm not sure we're going to sway a lot of votes. But when it comes to legislative districts that we discussed, um, you know, these are races that people don't know as much about. But some of these races are going to be pretty close. Some of these candidates are people uh, are people that uh, the voters don't really know, and we get to introduce them and weigh in. And so we can actually, you know, those are important for us to endorse in because we can move the needle a little bit more, I think. If you read the newspaper, you are well-informed. You probably know who your state assembly person is or your state senator. Maybe you like that person, maybe you don't. I'm guessing even most informed people probably don't know much about whoever's challenging the incumbent. And we actually get to meet with them. Again, this wasn't in person. It was a Zoom call, but it feels like it's in person. And we do spend an hour with them in a group. I feel like we get to at least know their personality, what their priorities are, and make a decent recommendation. I mean, the reality is in a lot of these races, partly because of gerrymandering, that they just aren't very competitive. So often in these races, you get an incumbent who's pretty safe in the seat, knows what he or she is doing, and you get kind of a token opponent rather than a strong opponent because the strong opponents don't get in because they don't think they can win. But there were some exceptions to that uh, this time around, and we can talk about all these races. There are 14 seats for the legislature that we're going to endorse in in Sunday's newspaper, two of them are state Senate seats. The rest are in the state assembly. They're all around our core readership area in south central Wisconsin and southwest Wisconsin. The first seat is the Senate seat that Mark Miller is exiting and that Melissa Sargent who was in the assembly, well, technically still is, is the odds-on favor to win. She's going against Scott Barker. Scott Barker canceled his meeting with us at the last minute. We didn't really get to know a lot about him. Melissa Sargent seems fine, I think. Probably best known for marijuana advocacy, or at least the legalization of. And she doesn't seem like a pothead to me or to you or me. I mean, she doesn't, you know, she she seems like, you know, a, a, a respectable person who understands that, uh, who, who has some, you know, economic and, and criminal justice reasons for wanting to legalize marijuana. It doesn't seem like she's the kind of person who goes in her backyard and tokes up every night. Well, and, and not to slander uh, John Erpenbach or Mark Pocan, but when those guys were pushing it, you were kind of like, oh, okay. you know That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah, Melissa Sargent, I think, is a pretty good advocate for that. A mom who wants to spend less on busting people for pot uh, and, and allow them a little more freedom. So anyway, she was a pretty easy pick for us, and we're endorsing her Sunday. Despite the fact that she's going to represent a safe district and she's very progressive, unlike other like Madison Democrats in the past, she's not a bomb thrower. She's not out there to just score political points and fire up the base by attacking Republicans at every step of the way. So she has she she has a little bit more of a... Um, collegiality about her than some of the other Madison area reps. I'm thinking particularly of like Chris Taylor. Every chance she had to attack the right, she she would take it. So I, I think Melissa Sargent could be, for Madison, could be somebody who can work across the aisle. Yeah, and this district, which is District 16, I mean, it touches the east side of Madison. I'm actually in it, and I voted for Melissa Sargent on my ballot this week. It also, though, goes east of Madison. Most of it actually isn't a Madison seat, but it's essentially the Madison area. The other Senate seat is Kelda Roy's. Yeah, and we endorsed her in the primary. We're going to endorse her in the general election. 
I don't even think she has a Republican challenger. No. She's going to be my senator because I live on the near west side. Uh, let's keep going to the assembly races here because we have so many. We're going to just try to tick through them quickly. We'll go numerically. Let's start with Assembly District 37. This is the seat that John Jagler from Watertown has had for years, and we've endorsed him in the past. However, this year we are not, are we, Phil? No, we're not. I like John Jagler. He's the kind of guy you totally want to have a beer with. He's fought hard for people with disabilities. He, I think he's done some good things in the, in the state assembly, but we can't get him off dead center on this gerrymandering. You know, he just refuses to acknowledge that redistricting is a problem in the state of Wisconsin. Um, even though he would, I think he would, he almost admitted in our endorsement meeting that he thought the maps in 2010 weren't exactly greatly drawn. And the other problem is he's in a district that is shaped in just a ridiculous way where it starts over here in DeForest and it's this long rectangle of a district that goes almost all the way to Oconomowoc. It clearly was drawn to try to dilute some of the voting power of liberal Dane County. They gave him just enough of Dane County so he could still win, but not enough that it could overtake him in an election. And yeah, we really got stuck on that issue with him. I think if he'd have just granted us a little more that it's wrong, that it's that it's bad, that we do need fair maps. Maybe we could have endorsed him again, but he, he kind of really relied on the talking points, which usually he doesn't. I mean, he's a guy that works with Democrats well. I'd say one of the nicest guys in the legislature. He's probably going to win the seat. I, he is going to win. Well, we just couldn't pull the trigger for him, especially given that his opponents uh, are stronger. I'm saying opponents because there is a third-party candidate in there, Stephen Ratzloff, of DeForest, who's running as an independent, who says he's conservative, but he wants to fix our roads, raise the gas tax, and he doesn't like gerrymandering. And then the candidate that actually we're endorsing, uh, Abigail Lowry of DeForest, who has a lot of local government experience, uh, did not seem like a flaming lefty Madison candidate. She seemed like more of a suburban, uh, moderate Democrat uh, from DeForest who knew what she was talking about and was pretty experienced. She was a, a special ed teacher, and so she has some that educational experience. She has the local government experience that I feel like is really important for all legislative candidates to know how a, a budget works. In uh, District 39, a little north of there from Beaver Dam, the incumbent Mark Bourne, Republican, who we've endorsed in the past, and we're planning to endorse him again. He's also not entirely on board. Uh, actually, if anything, he's slipping away, I think, a little bit on uh, nonpartisan redistricting. I think he, he granted us a little more acknowledgement of gerrymandering last time around, but he's still clearly the strongest candidate up there. He's on the Joint Finance Committee, and uh, he knows a lot about state budget. He had some, I thought, really interesting ideas about how to do transportation funding. Yeah, he's a guy who really knows his stuff. I think that's true of most people who wind up on the Joint Finance Committee, which is essentially the Budget Committee. Uh, you know, he can just pull out facts and examples and anecdotes to back him up and just a sharp guy. And his opponent, Izzy Hassi Navarez from Juno, from rural Juno, uh, he hadn't been a great guy, works at a bank, um, but has only been up in the district a few years and seemed pretty green about the issues and why he was running and, uh, 
God bless him for running, but we're not endorsing him. Yeah, he's the kind of person where if he's serious about being involved in politics, you know, he should do what something like Abigail Lowry did and and start off on the town council or a school board district up there and and get some experience to understand the issues and how to how to do government before you make that big leap to the state legislature. Assembly District 42. John Plummer is the incumbent. He's from Lodi. Uh, challenging him this time is Melissa Arndt. She's from just outside of Rio. Both those communities are up in Columbia County. I liked her. She's an LPN. Licensed practicing nurse. She knows a lot about health care, which I think is a good issue given the COVID-19 situation and the pandemic. She seems smart and re- relatable, I, I would say. You know, she seemed like the kind of person that would be a good Democratic fit for the district, but she didn't have a lot of experience and didn't seem super up on the issues. Yeah, she seems like another candidate that would do well to maybe run for local office and get some experience there first and really tune into the legislature a bit more before she runs and if she runs again. John Plummer is a guy who uh, emphatically, again, told us that he is for nonpartisan redistricting. He does want to end the gerrymandering. Nice guy, well-connected with his district, and we're endorsing him again. We also have to worry that if we don't endorse him, he will beat us up because he runs a karate school. Uh, Joe Plummer brings his small business experience and said that the need to socially distance with his many classes that they put on at the karate school, it's, it's really been devastating for his business. And so I think he can relate Uh, in a very personal way to the difficulties that small business people are having across the state. And I think that's a good thing to have in the legislature. We're going to hold them to nonpartisan redistricting too. Assembly District 43 is Representative Don Vruink. He's being challenged by Beth Drew. Both of them are from Milton, which is south of Madison, getting down there by Janesville. Vruink is a longtime educator, and he's in the softball coaching Hall of Fame. He was quite the softball coach. He still umpires. In fact, he's pushed a bill to try to make it a crime if you uh, assault an umpire. Vruink's a longtime educator. I was a history teacher, I believe, in the Milton schools, so he's a strong proponent of education. He was on the school board there, too, I believe. He actually uh, had his challenger in class, he said. Yeah, and I think his challenger's kids. And uh, he's a former teacher who is, interestingly enough, saying that having school in-person classes in his district has worked pretty well. That's heresy here in Madison for the most liberals, but if you get outside the Madison bubble, a lot of Democrats like in-person classes too. Especially for the younger kids, it's just essential to get them in front of teachers and have that, that personal interaction and instruction. Despite the fact we're having this explosion of cases, I'm not sure that a lot of it is, is tied to kids being in elementary school across the state. I did really like uh, Beth Drew, though, his opponent. She seemed like a pretty reasonable Republican. She had some uh, local government experience as well. She seemed pretty smart, and uh, she was open to uh, nonpartisan redistricting. It's just that Don Vruink is such a strong candidate for that district who's uh, very reasonable and doesn't always play ball with the Democrats. He's got an independent streak, so that one was pretty easy to do despite Beth being a really good challenger. I think they've got two choices down there that are pretty good. I thought Beth was excellent, but I think, you know, there's. it feels like there are so few legislators who relish working with the other side, and it seems like Don Brewing really enjo- really likes working with Republicans and getting and, – and, 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 
you know, getting stuff done for the state of Wisconsin with Republicans. So it's hard to pass up somebody who's, who wants to do that kind of stuff. Another race that features two strong candidates and an open seat this time is District 44. That's a Janesville seat. Uh, Deb, Deb Colsty is retiring from that seat. The Democrat is Sue Conley of Janesville. She's running against Republican Dwayne Severson, also Janesville. Uh, both of them have lots of government, local government experience, lots of community involvement, lots of knowledge about state issues. I liked them both. I think Sue made more of a point of wanting to work with the other side. She mentioned homelessness as an issue, which has been a priority for us and, and the success of Housing First. And of course, she said her first issue is gerrymandering. I don't think Janesville has been gerrymandered down there. And it's a Democratic-leaning seat still. Um, but we appreciated that. And her opponent, uh, I thought, was a little off on that, sort of pretending that, uh, well, the legislature has to do it the way it, it does it based on the Constitution. And that's not true. That's just a line the Republicans like to, to issue. You know, the Iowa model is completely constitutional in Wisconsin because the legislature still signs off in the maps. They don't they just don't draw them with their crooked lawyers in their office building across from the Capitol building. You know, so so the Iowa model is completely legal. It's just a, it's just a, a line that Republicans give you um, that's that doesn't make any sense. I also was taken aback a little bit with Dwayne Severson. Yeah. You know, he said every person he talked to was, you know, really worried about safety and security and rioting and stuff like that, which um, I don't know if I I don't know if I I mean, I'm, I'm sure it's an issue down in Janesville. It's just kind of hard to believe that's like the number one issue facing people in our country right now when we have COVID-19. I mean, he said nobody's talking about COVID-19. Everyone's talking about, you know, you know, respecting the police and, and security issues. And I just, I doubt that's the case. Well, I could see that being a big issue in Janesville. I, eons ago, I spent a lot of time in Janesville. I, I, I could see that. Um, but every door? No, I doubt it. <laughs> he seemed to be suggesting nobody was expressing any concern with COVID, and I, I doubt that. The other thing that was interesting there was Sue Conley. Uh, her husband has COVID, uh, came down with it in July, and she's been quarantined for a whole bunch of this campaign. So uh, she knows firsthand uh, the risk of COVID, and and uh, apparently he's doing well, and we were happy to hear that. And Assembly District 46, that's up here by Sun Prairie. That's Gary Hebels had that seat. His brother had it before him. He's being challenged by Terry Lyon. Uh, I like Terry. He said he was tired of both sides fighting at the Capitol. He's actually a libertarian. He's one of the two libertarians running for seats as Republicans. They're sort of uh, libertarians in Republican costumes. I like Terry. You know, I, I thought he he was a good guy, unusual in that he's a Republican and also a union leader at, at Sub-Zero. He had some good points, but... One of his big issues was he doesn't like the mask mandate and with COVID-19 getting out of control, it just seemed a little off. I'm going to say this about both libertarians who are running. Um, as much as I sort of have a lot of appreciation for some of the, the libertarian values out there, I feel like right now when we have a public health crisis that requires people to 
sacrifice their own personal needs for the greater good of our state. It's not the right time for 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 dogmatic libertarian ideas. But he's running, and I'm glad he's running because he's given people a choice, and he's making Gary Hebel talk about things. I mean, Gary Hebel, that's probably his seat no matter what. What are you talking about, Scott? Gary Hebel's... Gary Hebel said he spends 95% of his time listening, not talking, which our meeting did not necessarily show that. I mean, he's a he's a he's a poli- he's a political talker, Gary Hebel. I think he's a pretty standard democrat there, place for the team. In the past, uh, we we've often endorsed him when he hasn't had strong opponents. I think one or two times we have not endorsed him when he did have a strong opponent. But that's a pretty safe seat. We, we are endorsing him on Sunday. In District 47, that's Jimmy Anderson is the incumbent. And he's facing another libertarian uh, who's running as a Republican, Phil Anderson. You may recognize that name because it seems like every election, Phil Anderson uh, from Fitchburg is running as a libertarian, be it for governor or U.S. Senate or assembly or some other seat. Uh, this time he's going after Jimmy Anderson uh, the Democrat from Fitchburg. It's a pretty safe seat for Jimmy Anderson, but I'm glad that uh, he's running. And I, th- you know, he, I think he's probably right that Jimmy Anderson is a rubber stamp for the Democrats. I mean, he's a pretty, pretty loyal Democrat, and he and he's pretty partisan. I think, at least in his press releases, Jimmy Anderson is. And Phil Anderson said he'd be more independent, which I think he probably would be, and criticize Voss as much as as Evers. On the other hand, I think Jimmy Anderson has brought a lot to the legislature. I mean, he, he scored a big win uh, this past session for disability rights when he, when he went up against Robin Voss for the ability to do some committee meetings from his home, given that he's paralyzed because a drunk driver slammed into his family's car, killing most of his family and, and maiming him. Uh, so he's just been a really effective advocate for disabled people in the legislature. And he's also been really good on issues, whether it's uh, ending gerrymandering or, or trying to do more about drunken driving. He made Voss look really silly in hindsight. Now that our entire world has gone virtual with all these virtual meetings for all of us that it just makes Voss's stance look ridiculous against, you know, some accommodations for Jimmy Anderson. Uh, District 49 is the next seat. This is far southwest Wisconsin. Travis Trannell is the incumbent. He's a farmer from Cuba City. We've endorsed him in the past. Sharp guy, really tuned into agriculture and what his constituents need. He supports nonpartisan redistricting. This seemed like an easy choice. He is a good candidate. Uh, he knows his district. Um, and he's going to win no matter what because, as he said, half of, that, half of the district is all trannels anyway. So, <laughs> Yeah, it is interesting that the Democratic presidential um, challenger, Joe Biden, will probably win his district by a considerable margin, yet Travis Trannel will win as a Republican. So that says something about your ability to relate to a district that maybe doesn't necessarily lean heavily your way towards your party. I think he's a ve- I think he's very good at constituent services and making sure his district feels represented. And so that in, that in and of itself, you know, he's he's just the best candidate in that in that seat. And he's on the gerrymandering, he's on the nonpartisan redistricting bill, which makes him, you know, we need more Republicans on that bill. And he's the kind of guy that sh- should do it. So in uh, Assembly District 50, the uh, first time incumbent is Tony Kurtz. Tony Kurtz politely declined uh, two years ago 
to come in and meet with us, which was disappointing. He didn't respond this time, so we don't know as much about him. We did think that his Democratic opponent, Mark Walden, also of Reedsburg, who owns a business downtown, was an impressive enough guy uh, and knowledgeable enough to endorse. Uh, I think that's a district that tends to lean Republican. But Mark Walden, I think, is a moderate Democrat and uh, a lot of sincerity in trying to give people a choice up there. He's also pushing uh, marijuana as a as a good thing potentially for farmers up there, another crop to grow that could be profitable. And District 51, Representative Todd Novak, who also is the mayor of Dodgeville, he's running for another term against Chris Marion, who ran for state senate last time and lost to Howard Markline. We endorsed her, uh, was it two years ago for that state senate run? But we're not going to endorse her this time around for state assembly. That's right. We're sticking with Todd Novak, who was the first Republican to stick his neck out for nonpartisan redistricting. He's also uh, went against his party on the uh, lame duck power grab after Democratic Governor Evers was elected. And uh, a guy that does have credibility in terms of working with Democrats on some issues for his district, whether it's agriculture or help for local governments. Former journalist. That's right. He's a well-informed former newspaper editor down there. you got to give him a lot of credit for that. Uh, We really like Chris Marion, too, but Todd, I think he's a really good influence in the Republican caucus there for moderation and reasonableness. Todd Novak can actually get some Republicans on a jury on a on a nonpartisan redistricting bill. I don't think Chris Marion's going to turn any Republicans to that bill. You know, I don't think she's going to have a lot of influence uh, changing the changing the tenure there at the Capitol. I think I think Todd's doing a lot of good in his caucus, um, and and I, I think that's why we're sticking with him. You know, he also knows his district so well, being the mayor of Dodgeville, which he's you know he's getting paid peanuts to do that. Um, And he's not double dipping there. It's not like it's a full time gig being mayor of Dodgeville. In District 79, that's Representative Diane Hesselbein. Uh, She's from Middleton. Running against her is Victoria Fugger uh, of Wanakee, who uh, didn't participate in our meetings. Uh, Diane Hesselbein, she is a lead author of the nonpartisan redistricting. Bill, so we liked that. We're endorsing her again. It would be nice if the Republicans had a strong and active candidate out, um, really trying to go after that seat. Uh, you'd you'd need a, a very moderate Republican uh, to have a chance. Uh, it doesn't appear that that's what Victoria is. In any case, we're going with Diane Hesselbein in District eighty. Similar situation, Sandy Pope Roberts is the Democratic incumbent in a very Democratic seat. She lives in Mount Horeb. So does her challenger, Chase Binney, who we liked. Younger guy. Seemed pretty moderate. But wasn't the most up on state issues. I think he'd, he's another one of those candidates who would do well to maybe run for, say, Mount Horeb uh, Council or Village Board or something like that. Finally, in District 81, Another Democratic incumbent, Dave Considine, really uh, comes off as an honest guy, uh, pretty transparent, uh, tells us things as a politician he probably shouldn't. <laughs> uh, 
like, oh, he reminded us, yeah, so I said I wasn't going to run for another term, but now I am. I mean, I wouldn't have known that. Yeah. He's a former teacher who says in-person classes for young kids are important and that they're working up there in the Baraboo area. He's for a higher beer tax. I thought he had a really good point that, you know, you could raise the tax on beer to help uh, with the budget. And uh, our beer tax is so low in Wisconsin, one of the lowest in the country, that you could you could raise it five times what it is now, and it still wouldn't be a penny of beer. Even as much beer as you and I drink, we wouldn't even notice it. Anyway, uh, he was pretty easy choice. Those are the candidates we're endorsing Sunday, and we appreciate all of the candidates who are running, giving people a choice. I mean, everybody, even if we weren't particularly down with one or you know a particular candidate from one party or the other this time around, I really like that they want to get out and talk to people about issues and represent people and get involved this great thing my hat is off to them and during covid it's hard to campaign you know it seemed like none of the democrats are knocking on doors you know it's only republicans who seem to be willing to to go knock on doors and meet constituents so it's hard to campaign this time yeah in fact uh melissa arndt uh, from up by rio she actually uh Swerved to miss a tractor, she said, while she was uh, pulled out from from in front of her car as she was campaigning at an event and uh, kind of did a Duke boys jump over a fence and crashed her car and, and got a concussion. And so we had to delay a meeting with her because of her injury, but she seemed... She was all back to pretty good health when she met with us then. I think Diane Hesselbein and Travis Trannell at one point, you know, were, were wondering if I'd ever draw, draw a cartoon about them. Oh, that's right. Yeah, they almost like they wanted you to. They wanted me to draw a cartoon about them. I said, well, I haven't drawn any cartoons about you guys because you haven't done anything stupid. You know, I mean, Robin Voss and Scott Fitzgerald get a lot of cartoons because they do a lot of stupid things. And Tony Evers does some stupid things, so he gets some cartoons about him, too. So if you want cartoons about you in the newspapers, be a moron, and I'll I'll be there for you. (laughs) That's my advice. 